All right. Thank you, worship team. And I got to tell you, um, you know, I, I will do this. Nathan, can you kind of prep the slides again? We've never done this before, but tonight I just, I don't take it as a passing whim, but these words for me, I mean, every word, every song we sing, I don't know if you, uh, at a point where you kind of hang on to the words that you're singing, I hope you do, because the scripture challenges us to worship in spirit and truth, but just, do we have the song lineup or the slides, or at least Ken could call out what we, um, is this the last one we did? No, this first one, okay. Um, as odd as you may think this is, would you read these words with me out loud through the song? Um, sitting at your feet is where I want to be. I'm home when I am here with you. Ruined by your grace, enamored by your gaze, I can't resist the tenderness in you. And then the next one, okay. I'm deep in love with you, Abba Father. I'm deep in love with you, Lord. My heart, it beats for you, precious Jesus. I'm deep in love with you, Lord. Humbled and amazed that you would call my name, I never have to search again. There's a deep desire that's burning like a fire to know you as my fr closest friend. I'm deep in love with you, Abba Father. Let's go to the next song. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here I find my rest, and without you I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you, oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found is where you are. And where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. And let's go on to the next one. As morning dawns and evening fades, you inspire songs of praise that rise from earth to touch your heart and glorify your name. Your name is a strong and mighty tower. Your name is a shelter like no other. Your name, let the nation sing it louder because nothing has the power to save but your name. Let's, let's stop there for a moment. And I, I, I now I figured out why the Lord pressed on my heart because when I was reading through that, we've been on a um, series when I preach. As you know, we, we rotate with ministers we have in here in our church, um, our, our youth ministry team and others on preaching and but I've been coming back to mind and doing the seven deadly sins and I told you we're saving pride for the last I had jokingly said we'll save gluttony for last because that's the one I am most convicted of and we would save gluttony till the very last but um, pride is actually uh, what I see as the hub of what we deal with most in the United States and our churches um, but tonight we're gonna look at lust you know I told you that I would rather teach on virtuous character uh, than sinful behavior. I'd rather challenge you to do what you need to do than talk about what we shouldn't do. I, I've mentioned that guys that I, I've worked with that have addiction issues, many times I don't have to talk to them about you shouldn't do drugs or you shouldn't uh, be addicted to alcohol because that weighs so heavy on the heart, they bring that into conversation on their own. So I don't have to spend a lot of time saying, you know, you shouldn't do that. Uh, the Holy Spirit and the conviction of the Holy Spirit leads that conversation. Uh, whereas an old school Pentecost, we, we might think that we need to just drill that into their heads and somehow that will cause them to be convicted. But I, I've learned that the Holy Spirit is at work always and if we are led by the Holy Spirit and we follow his lead, 
he'll lead us in that. So I'd rather talk about virtuous characters, but, but it is important that we understand the dangers of sin, and we're looking at the seven deadly sins. You know, this whole list, I mention this every time I preach on this, that it denies, um, it brings disorder and confusion. I just had a long conversation today with some of our electricians. Yes, uh, the carnal inside of me wanted them to be working instead of talking to me and getting us done on this new building. But I found that the Holy Spirit led a conversation and we talked about this. And I, I'm also going to give God praise because I couldn't breathe hardly today. I had a turn for the worst. And um, for those of you who don't know, they, they have reconfirmed. I have spot, uh, Rocky Mountain spotted fever from a tick bite. And uh, I didn't get treated in the time that's vital. And so it's praise God I'm here because we found out Mayo Clinic... The VA told me to only tw- uh, like 20% of the people die if not treated in the first five days. Mayo Clinic says 80%. So that's a testimony itself that I made it two months before I found out that I had it. And actually found out today they're giving me medicine that's probably not working because it's too late to be using it. So tomorrow I find out if they need to take me in and put me on some IV medicine. But anyway, um, so I'm praising God because I was praising with all my lungs tonight, even though I've been panting all day, having a hard time breathing. Um, but, you know, it's important for us to understand uh, sin. I was talking to the electricians, and, and uh, somehow it came about where I gave a little bit of testimony of, my, of some of my past. And, uh, you know, those of you who know, I have a great mom and dad who are ministers and same people in the house that were out of the house. I had no reason to turn from God, but, you know, I had times in my life I did. And one of those, um, one of those times I ran around with you know, certain motorcycle groups, the notor- notorious ones, and um, because of that, ended up in some very precarious situations where um, even though I wasn't guilty of what they're doing, I could have been lumped in it. But in that, I, I mentioned that uh, we were talking about that briefly and about an instance where I ended up at an invitation-only rally where you had to be a close friend of the club to get into this thing. And I was there sitting on a tailgate of a truck, and even though I had never touched drugs or done them, I knew what marijuana smelled like both fresh and I knew what it smelled like burning. And I said, man, I smell that stuff strong. Where is it? And they're laughing at me. Didn't realize I was sitting on a tailgate of a truck that they were getting ready to distribute had containers full of marijuana. And um, if they had done a drug bust right then, your pastor, even though I had no part of that, I was, in the, I was where God didn't want me to be. And that's what we teach our kids. You disobey. Sin will keep, take you long, farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay, right? And so we got to talk about that. So then the next question came is, well, and I knew where he's headed with this. Well, what do you think about this? Do you think it's really right people get jailed for just hanging out? He called it a flower because they had possession of some flower. And I said, well, when you put it like that, all flowery, I said, um, you know, no, but here, here's the thing. That's a loaded question because I have walked paths with guys who um, they are medicating themselves, whether it be marijuana or cocaine or meth, um, because of some issue in their life. It's never that that's the issue. We don't, we don't talk about the real issue. Some uh, mom and dad abuse them or dad or mom or, or something's happened in their past. They've never dealt with it or they don't know how to. They've never had been equipped to or they don't know God's word. Um, and so they medicate. And he said, well, you know, people can do that with food and everything. I said, exactly. I said, I'm as much a sinner because I medicate with food. I said, once God got a hold of my life and I had to uh, not do it within proper relationships and all I, food. You know, yeah, I said, if you I said, if you aggravate me today and you blow something up like the last two fifty dollar switches that they blew up, and he kind of laughed. I said, then I probably want to go home tonight, and have a whole tub of ice cream because that's that's when I should go to Jesus and the word. 
And so we talked about this uh, self-medicating. And while I'm making jokes and talking a little fast, the truth of the matter is, church, you can look at me how you want, but every one of us self-medicate in some ways because we have a sinful nature. And the problem is, is we would like to run to Jesus, and I know I want to believe that everybody in here is holier than thou, speaking about me. But the truth is, is I'm, I'm coming to grips with the fact that we all struggle. It's a matter of some of us have enough couth, an old word, to maybe keep it to just those who we need to share with. And some of us let it all out. And uh, maybe not always a good thing. But I talked about the fact with these guys that, uh, you know, we self-medicate. And so the danger in that is that we're never really dealing with the real issue, which is a spiritual thing, I believe. Uh, and where I know this guy stands because he's talked to me about some issues his brother has, and he believes it's all uh, physiological, so there's no spiritual in it. But I said, here's the thing you have to ask yourself. If it's truly a non-spiritual issue, and it's science, and it's medication, I know, I know you're going to argue why haven't they found the cure for cancer, that's why they haven't also found the cure for addiction. But why is it that the, the few places that have the highest success rate for people being delivered for good from addictive behaviors, not just alcohol, pornography, whatever, is Teen Challenge and other faith-based places. Because the answer is God. And, and, and so when we look at these seven deadly sins, the thing is, is I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you there is a time in my life when I treated relationships very, very poorly when I was away from the Lord. And I had to ask God's forgiveness and other people's forgiveness. But it was still self-medicating a problem that I had in my life as I could not fully surrender to the Lord and give Him everything. And so... Pride denies the limit of authority. Envy denies the limit of what's appropriately mine. Wrath denies the limits of appropriate response. We just talked about wrath both a, on a Sunday and a Wednesday. Slothfulness denies the limits of diligence and faithfulness. Greed denies the limits of possession. And gluttony denies the limits of consumption. But lust denies the limits of relationship. They run hope. And, that, and that's what's going on with our youth today and school. We see the school shootings all. There is definitely a denial of hope there. W whether it's self-inflicted or it's been inflicted on them, they have lost enough hope that now destruction is the only thing that they can self-medicate with. Our lives are not meant to be lived under the dominion of these sins. And when these sins have dominion over us, our eternal hope in God begins to fade. And we find despair ruling our lives. Now, I'm going to break here, and I'm going to tell you a couple great things going on at the project because it ties in to what I'm about to say here. Um, you know, there's no doubt in my mind God's called me to be the pastor of this church, and I have no end date on that. I don't have any plans I'm keeping from you that I know God's going to have us five years here or five more years, and then we're going to go mission field or anything. As far as I know, as of yet, and, uh, and sometimes this is a great thing and sometimes it's not, is that I may pastor this church till I die, either old age, young age, whatever it is, but there is no other plan B. God had to do a miracle in me just to get to that point. And I am fully aware there's a book written about our church where I finished this building. And we've talked about this. I know you guys probably get tired. Can we just have a service where it doesn't have to do with the building project? But, but listen, this is where God's got us all. And I'm fully aware of that. So listen, this cannot fail on my watch because otherwise I've got to ask the sweet old Lynn Blankenship to recall a bunch of books out there, Right? Because the guy didn't finish the church. And I have those, those, those things weighing on me. And then I have the relationship side of this where 
God's called me to lead a group of people. See, see, I'm going to challenge you a little bit on how we talk to each other in, in Christian circles. We need, to, we need to kind of revamp sometimes the way we put things to people because we, we tend to be preaching doctrines that we don't realize we're preaching without knowing it. And I'll give you an example. If you say, hey, you need to just sit back, God's going to take care of everything. Well, you might be preaching a little Calvinism there. Because the truth is, God has placed us together to work as a team to accomplish things. So if you, if you use that all the time, then that basically gives you the ticket to be out of the, out of the mix. And to say, well, God's going to take care of it. Therefore, I feel good, and you should feel good. But can, when you say that to a brother and sister that has cancer, and you don't, and you say, well, you know, God's got this. He's taking care of it. But you're not the one walking that path. We have to think about, we have to think about, and so self-medication can, can branch into a whole other realm where we can use it to exclude ourselves from what God has called us to do by just starting to say, now we self-medicate with all our religious talk. And, and, and it can go on and on. And lust is another area where we are maybe being very poor in our efforts and relationships, and therefore when our relationships are failing, especially romantic ones or with our spouse, then lust becomes what we self-medicate with. And it becomes just as addictive and just as destructive and just as much as much an uh, advocate for losing hope. So when I was away from the Lord, and this is where I bring all this beginning part back to why we, well, I realized why God had me read this is, um, an earlier conversation this week, someone that's never been connected with this church, but called me because their pastor was, was out, of, uh, out of pocket for a week. And they were in a desperate situation. And it was a dad who, who uh, married with, with children. And um, I would not tell this of something recent if I knew there's no way for anybody to be connected with the person, but, but called me and just said, look, I'm, I'm struggling. I, I'm dealing with pornography. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm hating myself and I keep going to this. And, and we talked for a moment about it and and I began to tell him some of these things about the self-medication. I'm like, you know, what are you really struggling with? Because that's the medication. What's the illness? You know, and we started talking. And so I told him the story about when I was away from the Lord and I was self-medicating in relationships, inappropriate relationships. And a single guy living in Springfield, running around with motorcycle group that encouraged that kind of thing. And uh, going to the bars and these things. I don't want to bring glory to that. I'm just going to say that um, I got this job... I started trying to do handyman work, which I, had, I knew nothing of what I was doing. I, I'm to wonder I didn't get sued, completely sued, because I did things to people's homes where I had no idea if it was really going to work. I just thought it seemed like it. I remember this lady's house that has like all this concrete block. They never finished the outside. And I found this product online that's supposed to shore up block walls. And I messed with it. I thought, you make this look like stucco. And I did a whole house out of her house in stucco <laughs> and charged her, I think, a fair price for it. But who knows if that stuff fell off a year. I don't know. A year later. <laughs> So I'm not proud of that, but that's kind of where I was at in my life. I was just kind of willy-nilly about things and relationships, and, and um, I got asked to go to this high-end furniture place called Wheeler's Furniture downtown Springfield, and it was owned by a Christian man and his family. And I took the job because he had twin daughters, and that's why I took the job. But you know what? They, this was back when Hillsong was, a, was the biggest thing. I mean, they just coming out, and I think, I think I mentioned this before. Uh, what's her name? check 
And I can't even remember the song, but I remember that I'd come in before they opened the store and all their guys that were doing delivery getting furniture. And if I didn't get started right away, they'd get me roped into loading furniture and because um, they were just paying me an hourly for the day. And they'd start playing that worship music. And here I have all this background with the Lord and previous relationship with the Lord. And uh, tears would start rolling. I have to go hide. I go hide somewhere where they didn't see me and just bawl my eyes out. And the Holy Spirit began working on me through the worship. And so what I found is that the, the lust in my life for the things that weren't godly, the, the more I was around that, the Holy Spirit was planning me, the, the, the more I got disgusted with, with what was going on in my life and the more I was dealing with I need to separate from this. And then the, and then the war came you know, internally. But eventually the Lord went out. I came back to the Lord. It took some time. It took those things. But what I told this uh, gentleman that called me, he was dealing with poverty, I said, listen, what this is, I can't, I could take scripture and start trying to show you where this all came from to me, but I can just tell you what the Lord did in me is the more I subjected myself and put myself in a place when I was trying to self-medicate to the things of God, the more I got closer to God and those things got easier to overcome. I know that was a big buildup to all that, but I'm just telling you that if you are struggling with lust in your life, because I'm going to make this a shorter sermon, because we, for one, I'm getting out of breath again. Two is I want us to have time in prayer. But listen, whether whether it's anything else, but lust. One thing I've learned is that that so I sent this guy some worship songs. I said start with these because he said he didn't listen to worship every day. He's a believer and struggling with pornography. I said you need to fill your day with focus on the Lord and his word. And if you can't take time to get on your knees and pray, which is always the first place we should go, and God's word, then at least be listening through worship because it's powerful. We know that, that Satan was a worship leader in heaven before he fell when he was angel. And we know that there's still the biggest issue comes up in churches over worship music. And so I'm like, use one of the most powerful weapons God has, worship. And so I said, I'm going to start feeding you songs that just break me down. And we're going to just go this route first. And then when you get to where you feel like you're getting stronger, then you need to get on your knees too. And, you know, you just need to get to a point where you're focusing your day on the Lord. And so, and, and so when we look at Scripture and what it talks about, when it talks about lust, I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 20. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. You remember Ephesus? Does, it, does anybody remember the setting of where, I mean, it, when we talk about Ephesus, that was the port city, if you will, hustle and bustle, a lot of trade there. There's also big time idolatry. Had the big temple to Diana there, uh, if you remember. Do you remember the problems that happened there over, over when the idols were being demolished because there was revival? Anyway, it, it, this, is, this is a significant place in, in um, history, in Scripture. It says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do, in the, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ in that way. And then in Galatians chapter 5, 13 through 26, we'll see in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 26, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, rather serve one another in love. 
The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. This is interesting to me. I'm going to stop there for a minute after verse 15, but this is interesting. It starts out, you my, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And neighbor in this sense is just everyone but you is your neighbor. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Verse 16, so I say live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to, to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with, e- conflict with each other so you do not, so do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Here's the catch-22 of this, of this um, scripture. You go through all the different sins, the debauchery, the sexual immorality, the witchcraft, all those things, and then you get down and you look at the, 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 the comparison here of the goodness, the faithfulness, kindness, love, joy, peace, patience, this is exactly the example that shows that you are a vessel full of one or full of the other. And you cannot keep residing over here full of the sinful nature and produce the other. And, and so here's the thing as Christians, when we hide lust or any other sin or sexual sin, when we hide those things, is the truth is, is that we are, we are incapacitated to, to truly in all truthfulness, produce the others. Now you might try to mimic and force them and put them out there, but somebody's always going to know there's something not quite right there. And and it's going to affect your relationships because as you work to try to hide those things, there's going to be tension in the relationship because the others are what God's designed us to, to share between each other. And so, you know, you just pick any one of them. Let's pick, you know, peace. Someone that's displaying that they lack peace now listen if i look at myself i have to think about when i'm out there at the project i'm like lord i can't take this anymore i'm just you know part of me says don't let them know that their leader sometimes says i can't take this anymore you know just lead the way you know i i'm just telling you i'm human and the other night i had told jen i said i don't know where my end is but i think it's past i think i'm somehow treading on something but i don't know and and i look at that and i say well do I have peace about it or not? And we could cut, my, cut me some slack, just like I might cut you slack if we're talking about something you struggle with, but the truth of the matter is, is the more I allow that non-peace, that troubledness to settle in, I'm opening myself up to 
acts of the sinful nature. I'm opening myself up to sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Oh, pastor, that's kind of far-fetched, right? Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions. Well, listen, in the kingdom of God, there, there is no get-out-of-jail-free cards. He has written his word, and it is true, and it is factual, and you cannot fool yourself into thinking that I can continue in my sinful anger or my sinful lust or whatever it is and think that I am going to be able to perform as a Christian. You might be able to fool some people outside the church because your life seems to be a lot more crisp and clean from theirs, and they're used to being fooled anyway. But at some point, to function as a body of believers, two things have to happen. Number one, I'm not saying, it says don't cast your pearls before the swine. There's some people in, in every church that you probably don't need to go share your deepest, darkest problems because it will probably be everywhere. But at the same time, until you're ready to be out of bondage and seek help through what God's provided you, through, through others, through his word, through prayer, then there's going to be a point where you do have an end. The charade will stop somewhere. I can't tell you where, how, when, and how it's going to manifest, but it will. The charade will end. Case in point, I've told you, that's why I will never again do like I did at Bible school and walk around when people say, is everything okay? And if I've got major things going on in my life, say, yeah, fine. I'd, I had lifelines thrown out to me all the time. I didn't take them. And it ended very badly for me. So, so my challenge to you tonight as we, we break into time of prayer, is, is my watch right? We're about 25 after. As we break into time of prayer, is this. M- married folks, we can say that lust is not a topic for us because we got married. Now we don't have to worry about sexual sin. But that doesn't stop thoughts in your mind that are impure. It doesn't stop actually contemplating things that are impure. You know, those marriage vows are as strong as your commitment to them. And single folks, you know, you're fooling yourself to say that you don't get affected by it. Our whole marketing campaign in the media on everything is only picking a few things for you. They're going to hit you on the topic of sex and money and fame. That That's what they're working on. So... You get impact all the time. Now, I applaud you if you're able to fend that off all the time and arrest those stray thoughts like the Scripture says and and to deal with them the right way. That's great. But, you know, we don't talk about this topic enough and it it is one of those that really um, paralyzes the body of believers many times because there can be so many people dealing with sexual impure thoughts and in their hearts and not giving it to the Lord. And I can tell you from personal experience, there is nothing more free than when God, not only, it's not just about finding the right mate, you might be single the rest of your life and still be blessed and happy and God working through you. It's not all about whether you get married or not. But when those thoughts come and those temptations come, when you have the kind of relationship with the Lord where you can even with your spouse say, God's put you in my, my life and you're my helpmate, I'm going to tell you this is what I'm struggling with and I'm just going to lay it out to you and I don't want to hurt you and I don't want that to affect how I hope it's not going to make you think that I think less of you because I'm struggling. But I need your prayer. I need your help. And, and here, if you need to look at my phone and, and look back at history and stuff, you need to, you need to be my, my accountability partner. And we could go into a whole other sermon about good ways to do that, guys, and, and 
ladies without putting a lot of pressure on your spouse. And we'll get to that. But, but the point is this. Start with the fact of, God, I'm going to be honest before you, first of all, because you already know. And I'm going to lay it before you because I don't want to be handicapped with what you have planned for me and be stifling your, your direction in my life because I can't get past this. And so um, I'm just glad we, we have this in the seven deadly sins because honestly, I've been married long enough and God has helped me in, in so many ways that we can forget how debilitating that can be for the believer when, when this is something that is just a constant struggle. And that, that, that dad that called me so broken, he said, my boy accepted the Lord. And you'd think I'd be the happiest dad being a believer that my boy accepted the Lord. But when he did, the first thing I thought of is, I'm so afraid I'm going to disappoint him and lead him the wrong way because I cannot get victory over this in my life. And I just simply told him, I said, you know, I hate to tell you this, but even though your boy's a believer, he's going to have struggles too, whether it's the same or not. And you guys are going to have to get real up close and personal as dad and son and, and bind together and pray for one another and help each other to be strong in that. And... You don't have to tell your boy all the stuff you're struggling with. You just have to let him know, Dad has struggles too, and you need to. So as families, as spouses, as fellow believers, please, please don't come in here every Sunday and Wednesday night assuming everybody's okay. Uh, don't be paranoid either. It's like, oh, I wonder what they're dealing with. <laughs> but, but, you know, look, when I ask people to hug each other's neck and, and, and do that, we are a family, and you need to get to the point where if something's going on in somebody's life, the Holy Spirit can help you because you know them well enough to sense it and say, hey, what's going on? We'll never be the strength in this church like God wants us to be until we get enough over ourselves that we can really be walking life together, walking this faith journey together. And that means thick and thin, hard times, good times. Robin, can I share a little bit about our conversation Sunday? <laughs> so Robin has been coming a lot on her own, even in the heat. And I, I've been razzing her. I said, we have a very, that air conditioning in that van is the best air conditioning of any vehicle I've been in. And it is comfortable. I said, I know you're only a block or so away. Why don't you let us come pick you up, you know? Well, she told me Sunday, which got me emotional about it. She said, you got so much on your plate. This is something I can do. And, you know, one day you'll need to pick me up when we go over there, but there's something I can do. And I told Robin, I said, Robin, I, what if I need that time? What if Jen and I need that time with you? Because you encourage me in my spirit. And, and see, here's the thing. We, we make assumptions. I'm not hitting on Robin. This is all of us. But she made, she made an assumption that because in between services we, we are, haven't trained anybody yet, that's on us to use the lift and all that, and we run out and go and pick her up. That She made the assumption that that was taxing on us. I told her, I said, we miss the times we don't pick you up because that little bit of conversation, I said, I feel totally unguarded when I'm talking to her. And you don't always have that in a relationship in the church. You try. And you hope it gets there, but not every time. Sometimes you can feel that people's expectations on you, and you just, you don't know how to be unguarded. So I said, I need that. That's some normalcy for me. And whether we're talking about the greed, the lust, the all the things we've talked about, said that seven deadly sins, they're, they're only deadly 
when there's no hope and help. And God has placed us here to be hope and help for each other. The hope is in his word and it's living in, in us, right? And so we have to bind together and we need to not make assumptions that something else is going to happen if we reach out and be a support to someone else. So we're going to spend time in prayer and uh, whatever that may be, you can use this time as you need to converse with the Lord. But I would say at least for a few minutes of that prayer, if you aren't struggling with lust, because that's our topic tonight, pray for everyone else in the church that God would protect this church and each person in it um, from that, that, that deadly sin. Amen? Let's pray.